So good to see your faces this morning. Hey, if you're new here, I just want to say welcome. My name is Joe Polino, and I serve as the lead pastor here. It is a joy to be a part of this church. Who's thankful to be a part of this church family? I got some hands raised. got some shouts. Well, hey, before we jump into our message, I have a seemingly random question, but it'll, I'll tie it in. Who in here is good at math? Raise your hand. Okay. That's actually more than I thought. That's a good amount of people. Okay. I would not raise my hand to that question right now, but when I was younger, I was actually really good at math. And as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about when I was in the fourth grade, we would play this game called Around the World, and you would go to each... Uh, whoever was it would go to someone's desk and the teacher would have flashcards with math, math problems. And whoever got the right answer fastest got to move around to the next desk and you tried to go around the world. I remember being really good at this game to the point where um, I would like, whenever I had the answer, I would like karate chop, like, you know, 15, 25. And actually my teacher nicknamed me the preacher. Uh, when I was in fourth grade, because I would like hammer, like I was hammering the pulpit. That's why I carry a mic and I don't have a lapel, so I don't karate chop you guys. But what I was thinking about was when I was going through it, one of the things we would do, it was we would take a fraction and we would reduce it to its simplest form as fast as we can. So I have a little bit of, of a math flashcard for you, just a few problems, not too hard, don't worry. All right. So you take five tenths and what's the simplest way you can reduce that fraction. One half. Everyone gets an A plus on that one. So then you have 20 divided by 80. One, one fourth. There you go. Then we have 123 divided by 369. One third. Okay. If you were to carry that out more and more and more, just looking at that chart, let's just take those numbers up there. Which one is the simplest to deal with? The one on, uh, well, I guess that's left or the right. I don't know if it's my left or your right, but which, which side is easier to deal with? That's right. The ones that are simplest to work with. And so whether you're an engineer in this room and you're doing ca uh, calculus and you're using math to do statistics and try to give us information about the world, or if you're just a th fourth grader, you're, you never move beyond the basics. And as I'm looking at the scriptures and I'm looking like, at, at, okay, how, how are we going to apply this? I feel like this is one of those areas where sometimes when we come to the Bible or we come to knowing about God, it can feel like just this, I need to be an expert, kind of like I need to be in, an engineer or a mathematician to understand what is this all about. But I think here, I just want to encourage us, when we look at Jesus and his teachings, he actually gives us the most simplest, like reduced fraction of all the commandments. When he was asked... What is the greatest commandment? His response was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, this is the most reduced fraction and everything else builds from here. And so when we talk about love, we're talking about the very basic foundation of our faith and of our lives. But then Jesus goes a step further as he's about to go to the cross. And in John 13, he says this to his disciples. After he gets up, knowing what's about to happen, he wraps a towel around his waist and he takes off his outer uh, garment, wraps a towel around his waist, washes his disciples' feet, and he gives them an example. And then he says this. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. 
so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So he's saying again, how are people going to know that you're my disciples? How? It's not how you love God even or how you uh, go about preaching my teachings or what you do. serving. It's how you love one another. That's pretty profound if we think about it. And so we are taking time to slow down and to put into practice loving one another over the next five weeks. And so here's how we're doing it as we're breaking it down. How are we going to love one another like Christ loves us? Because that's the key. It's not just love. It's loving as he loved us. How are we going to do that? Well, the first week we said, if we're going to love one another like Christ, we need to be in relationship with Christ. So that was what we did in week one. Last week, we looked at, okay, we need to love one another by being completely humble and gentle. Donnie did a great job of explaining the difference between humility and entitlement and pride. So how are we going to love one another? We start with being connected to Jesus like we are uh, a branch connected to the vine. And then how are we going to love one another, be completely humble and gentle? And then today, I want to talk to you guys about being honest and honoring. So in some ways, the first two weeks, as we look at scripture, it's all about preparation and heart work. Today is actually getting to engage with people. How do we actually speak to one another? How do we love one another? And so here's what we're going to learn in my time with you. Here's, here's where we're going. We can love one another by being honest and honoring in three ways. We can do this by letting our love be genuine outdoing one another and showing honor and practicing these things together. So we can love one another by being honest and honoring, by letting our love be genuine and outdoing one another and showing honor. And then number three, practicing these things together. So please turn with me in your Bibles to Romans 12, verses 9 and 10. It'll also be up on the screen. We're just going to go over two verses today. Two verses today. As I was preparing for this message and just thinking about, okay, Lord, I know that this is something that you have for us. This scripture just would not leave me alone. And so we're just going to camp, camp out on these two verses. Now, the context of where we're about to read in Romans 12, similar to the letter of Ephesians, when Apostle Paul was writing to these churches. So he wrote to the church in Rome. And the first part of the letter is theology. It's the study of God. It's who is God? What is my purpose in life? What is my identity? What, what am I supposed to do? Who is my tribe? Like all those things are in the first part of the letter. Much like in Ephesians, they were in chapters one through three. But chapter 12 is a turning point that says, in light of all those things, in light of who God is, here's how you live. Much like we've been in Ephesians four and it says, okay, how do I live a life worthy of the calling I've been called. So here's where we are. That's the context. So Paul is saying, in light of the mercies, in light of who God is, in light of the gospel, how do you live? And here's what it's going to tell us in Romans 12, 9 through 10. You can read it along with me. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
So that's our text today. Lord, I pray as we uh, look at the scripture and we just dive in deep. It's a simple text. It's not hard to understand, but Lord, would you do something in us as a people that would change us? Would you help these to go deep? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Lord, let's go. Okay, so we can love one another by being honest and honoring in three ways. The first one is let our love be genuine. It says in Romans 12, 9, let love be genuine, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Let love be genuine. What does that mean? Genuine love. Well, I find it helpful when I'm trying to understand something to sometimes look at what it is not to help me understand what it is. So what is love that is not genuine? Love that is disingenuous. In other words, what, what does that look like? Well, instead of love being authentic or real, it means that it's dishonest or it's maybe put on for show. Another way to say is that let your love not be hypocritical. Let your love not be hypocritical. Okay, we want it to be honest and not hypocritical. So what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is putting forward a front that says you're one way in public, but in private, you're a different way. Or another way to put it is that you say one thing, but you do another. We can all think of different examples of, of hypocrisy, but it's actually a really big deal in the kingdom of God. And it's, it seems like something that's kind of like, well, yeah, that's obvious. Let your love be genuine. Why would you even need to mention not to be hypocritical? But to Jesus, it doesn't seem obvious. In fact, over and over again in the Gospels, Jesus is warning and speaking honest words to the Pharisees that their hypocrisy is staring them in the face and they don't even realize it. So let's just go to some of those things that God says. We want to let our love be genuine. He said that Jesus saw that there were some people that were practicing their faith in such a way that was not out of genuine love for God, but it was actually to put on a show for others. He says uh, this in Mark 6 about when you pray. He says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Wow. Okay. I think I'm starting to understand a little bit more of how we let our love be genuine for God and not put on a show. One is he talks about prayer, not to be surface level, but to say, okay, am I actually wanting to connect with God or am I doing this with other people in mind? So there's one example. He goes again, we're about to go through a three-day fast. So here's what he says about fasting in Mark 6. Jesus says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites. There's that word again. Don't be somber like them, for they disfigure their faces and show others they're fasting. When you go to work tomorrow and you don't have breakfast, don't like crouch over and, you know, put ashes on your head like, oh, I'm just, I'm just fasting. You know, my church is doing this thing to try to like puff yourselves up. Don't do that because some people were doing that. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting 
but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what's going on here? What is he hitting at? There can be an outward action where you are being obedient, maybe coming to church or praying or fasting. But there can also be an element where you're doing it with a motivation that's not genuine. And Jesus is saying, my followers, my, my people, like, that's not why I came. That's not why I am here, right? Let your love for me be genuine. And then just one more example, which isn't from a teaching of Jesus, but it's from Paul. But he talks about, we've gone over this before. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries of knowledge and I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I have nothing. I mean, that seems like a pretty powerful spiritual gifts list. I mean, that's not even something on a spiritual gifts inventory you would say, move mountains. Yes, I've done that one. That's pretty impressive. But if you don't have love, He's saying it's just for show. Don't be a hypocrite. Without love, all those mean nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. So this is really important for us to get letting our love be genuine. Now, why would Jesus say this though? Why would he say this? Well, it says in Matthew 15, seven through nine, he says this, he says, you hypocrites, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people or this people honor me with with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Those are strong words. That's a big warning. And they're a warning to the people of the time saying, don't go through the motions or don't go about teaching my teaching your traditions as their commandments because I've come for your heart. Your heart is far from me, but your lips, your lips are what honor me. And he's saying, when we let our love be genuine, abhor what is evil, cling, cling to what is good. It's not just having like a, okay, don't do that because that's bad. Do this because it's good. There's emotion to it. Abhor it, hate it, like push it away. That, and he's saying here, like, you hypocrites, guys, do you hear me? That's not why I came, so that you can do a list of laws. I came so that your heart would be transformed. I, ha- I came so that you may have life, so I could write the law on your hearts. I came. And you're, you're studying the scriptures, yet you refuse to come to me, which is where you have life. That's what he's saying. And as he was saying this to the Pharisees, may we not be so quick to say, okay, this is for the Pharisees at that time and not for us as well. Are there things, traditions that we as a, as a church or a people are putting up and it's in some ways we're well-intentioned, but our love for him is not genuine, right? We can't do that. We cannot have our hearts be far from him because that's why he came. That's why he came. Jesus says in John 7, 37, he says, anyone who would come to me who's thirsty, I will fill them up and streams of living water will flow from their innermost being. And he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's saying, come to me, come to me. So we want to be honest with God, but we also want to be honest with people. Let your love be genuine. So it's not just being honest with God. It's also about being honest with people. And maybe you don't have a desire to, you know, show 
show up someone else or to be prideful, but this hypocrisy can slip in to our closest relationships with us. So we might have this tendency as we're looking at, say you're in a relational conflict and say it's with one of your close friends or maybe a spouse. And we have this tendency as humans to judge other people by their actions, but judge ourselves by our intentions. So let's just say, you know, it's a, I was just thinking about if I was to run a, run a stop sign uh, or if someone else was to run a stop sign and almost got hit, what do I think about that person? Not nice things, <laughs> not good things. Do I go through, oh, maybe, you know, maybe they were in a rush or maybe they had a hard day or maybe, no, I'm like, man, like that was wrong and I'm really upset about that. But if I do it, you know, maybe I'm absent-minded, I got a lot on my mind, you know, I just... That's just a simple example that we can do that when we have, but we have close relationships that we're in conflict with and we're trying to let the other person know, hey, this behavior is hurting me or this is where I feel disconnected. Oftentimes we can go down a toilet bowl of unproductive communication because we just, we, we judge others by their actions, but ourselves by our intentions. And here's what Jesus says for us not to be hypocritical. He says, if you want to love one another like me, if you want to follow me in Luke 6.42, he says this, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's. So why do I, why do I keep going in on this? Because we need to see what genuine love looks like and what it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like hypocrisy. It doesn't look like these things. And we need to continually go in the other direction of saying, Lord, would you let our love be genuine? So how do we do this? How do we have genuine love? I'm just going to give you two examples. One is that we need to be honest with God. And the other one is we need to be honest with one another. We need to be honest with God, honest with one another. So how do we be honest with God? You know, my relationship with God, your relationship with God is the most important relationship that you have. But oftentimes it can be one that is difficult to, uh, to know, wait, how am I doing with this? Or God, would you help me here? And so uh, this week I was going through this love one another practice. And as I was going through the scripture of the week, it was Matthew eleven twenty eight, which said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. And as I was just th- sitting there and I was going to God and I was like, okay, God, I'm here. Here are my burdens. And I was getting, I just, that word come to me just really stuck out to me. And so I said, okay, I've heard that word other places. And so I just, I've learned sometimes when this, that happens to just go on a, a, a rabbit trail with God. So I was like, okay, so I'm going to look up, I'm going to Google, where does it say come to me in the Bible? And I just started to list out where Jesus said, come to me. And these are some of the things that, that stuck out to me. It's like, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest for your souls in Matthew eleven twenty eight. But then he says, come to me and I will give you living water to drink. That's John 7, 37. Come to me if you're thirsty. If your soul is, your soul is thirsty, you're gonna, get, you're gonna get water. And then come to me if you're hungry. Jesus said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Wow. And as I was just going through these scriptures, another one that says, Any, that anyone the fathers draws to me, 
Anyone who's searching for me, I will never turn away. I'll never turn away. Man, talk about fear of rejection or fear like God will never turn you away as you come to him. And as, if you're searching for him, and, and then he also says, come to me, don't let the children come to me for the kingdom of God is for these. And so when we come to him as our father and, and we come to him as a child, he says, I want to give you the kingdom. And so I just thought, let's be honest with God. I actually want to take some time in my sermon for us to actually do that, to take a minute. How's your relationship with God? When's the last time you've checked in with God? Whether you've been walking with God for a long time or you've, you're, you feel like you've always been far away from him, the command is the same. Come to me. Come to me. So let's, let's go to him right now. So I'm just going to create some space. I'm going to pray for us, create some space. Come to me. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to fill in your name. So for me, it'd be Joe. I want you to know. And then I want, that rhymed. That's kind of funny. Joe, I want you to know, dot, dot, dot. And I want you to ask God to fill in the blank. So you put in your name. I want you to know. And then I want to trust that God's going to fill in the blank. So God, I pray that as we come to you, God, you would give each person what they need. Just create some space for you to speak what people need to hear. What do people need to know? And just if you're in that, uh, if you heard something, you know, do you want to build a relationship with God? So if you say, you know, if you heard him say something or you think by faith, then respond to that and say, God, thank you that you want me to know, fill in the blank. Based on that, I will dot, dot, dot. And you respond to him. And just you have that relationship with him. And so whether you've done this before, that was the first time you did it. And you're like, wow, I didn't, you know, I kind of heard the person next to me breathing or that, uh, <laughs> that baby crying. And you're like, I didn't really know if I get something. Guys, if we keep coming to him, I'm telling you, he will speak. He will speak to you. He will speak to your children. He, he, he is a God who is not far. Come to him. So let's come to him and be honest. And we can be honest with where we're at. And <laughs> that's the great thing about God. He already knows where you're at. So you read the Psalms and there's so much honesty. There's so much lamenting, so much, God, where are you? God, this is hard. God, I don't know. And it's such a, a, an encouragement for me to be human, but also that he wants to meet us in that place. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's go to the next part. We want to be honest with one another. Honest with one another. How do we be honest with one another? And here I want to talk to y'all real quick just about the gift of being in community with each other and being honest with our struggles, with our burdens, and with our sins. And actually, confession is such a gift for us to get to practice together. Now, I feel like confession, when I say that word, what could come to mind is guilt and shame. Because it's like, oh, I got to confess something to someone else. But actually, confession is not about guilt and shame. It's about removing it and sending you forward into liberty and freedom in Christ. That's what it's about. This past week, we were, um, I was in my D group and life group. And so we have uh, three other guys. Uh, I'm meeting early morning at a guy's house and we're having coffee. 
and so Richard Crowder's leading the group. And he's like, all right, guys, we're going to go. We're going to start with confession. Uh, you know, we're going to confess, hey, where do we, where do we fall short? Uh, where do we need God? And we're going to confess to one another. We're going to pray for each other and encourage each other. And, uh, and we've done this before, but it was the first time we've done it in a while. And the first minute or so was a little awkward because <laughs> it was like, well, you know, let me think about my week. And, but we started to open up and started to share. And as we did by the end of the time, I felt so much lighter, so much, uh, so much joy. I just felt like a weight was lifted. I also felt bonded to these guys because confession actually takes loneliness out of, out of, out of our soul, puts it on the table and has uh, truth be spoken to it and has us get in alignment with God. And it was awesome. You know, I was confessing uh, just anger, worry. Worry was a big one. And as I brought that to the table, I felt like it was gone. And I just felt so close to these guys. I just want to say when we are honest with one another, it's actually a gift. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this quote in his book, Life Together on Confession. It says, confess your faults to one another, as he's quoting James 5.16. And then Bonhoeffer says this. He says, he who is alone with his sin is utterly alone. But God wants you as you are. He does not want anything from you, a sacrifice, a work. He wants you alone. My son, give me thine heart from Proverbs 23, 26. God has come to save the sinner. So be glad. This message is of liberation through truth. You can hide nothing from God. The mask you wear before men will do you no good before him. He wants to see you as you are. He wants to be gracious to you. I love that quote. It's in this, this chapter on community and confession and just taking the mask off. And so that's something that we do well as a church. I just want to encourage, encourage us to press in and love one another well by being honest with God and honest with one another. Whew, okay. So you guys still with me? We're going to do part two, which really is just a two-part sermon, which is outdo one another and showing honor. Outdo one another and showing honor. So let's go there again to Romans 12, 9 and see where this is. It says, Romans 12, 9 through 10, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another and showing honor. Okay, so what does this mean to love one another with brotherly affection? Uh, this Greek word is actually philia, which is uh, where we get the, the, which means brotherly affection. So if you think of philia, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. So what does this mean? You're actually supposed to love one another like family, like your brothers and sisters, which you are a family in Christ. We are one. So just love one another as a family. How do we love one another in this way? We outdo one another in showing honor. Now, growing up, I grew up in a competitive family. Uh, I'm one of four. I'm the oldest. So I have a built-in advantage on my siblings, and I used it to its full potential. Uh, my brother was nine years younger than me. We loved to play sports together. Uh, and I loved particularly playing basketball with him because I would swat the mess out of his shot uh, and uh, would not let him uh, win at all. But I knew, you know, as a big brother, I wanted him to earn it. And one day he actually, when he beat me legit for the first time, he was like, I have arrived. Um, 
So we have those kind of competitions, you know, in our, in our family. I remember in college, we would have prank wars and have uh, the opposite of what this is talking about. And those would start with little things like, you know, maybe putting coffee grounds on the fan and someone would turn it on. It would, you know, get, get all over the place. And then we had some, uh, some other uh, friends put uh, fish behind our couch uh, and so the smell would just start to grow. We didn't know it was there until two weeks later, which says a little bit about uh, guys in college uh, and that roommate, uh, you know, that roommate situation. But it just escalated. I won't, even, I won't even share more, but it just was not in a good direction until we needed to have forgiveness and reconciliation at the end. But then, you know, as I got involved with college, I got involved with church, it was like weird that there was actually this challenge to outdo one another in showing honor. Instead of prank wars, there started to be blessing wars, which doesn't sound as fun. I'll, I'll give you that. But it actually, it actually was really cool. And so people would do things like, hey, can I borrow your car or roommate? Go take it, get it washed, get the tank filled up. And he would just say, hey, man, I just wanted to, I wanted to bless you. It's like, well, this is awesome. This is, this is really encouraging to leaving a note for somebody, to giving someone uh, money, to just encouraging. It was like this whole culture that I was like, this is really strange, but I got used to it. And so it was very normal to be in these life groups or be in these settings of this church and there would be an encouragement uh, time. And so you put someone in the middle and you just encourage them. So much so that uh, when I would go to... Uh, and, and, and so like I would go to people's bachelor parties and there would be a whole, like their rehearsal dinner was all about honoring the Lord and honoring them and honoring other people. I was like, wow, like this is incredible. And then I would go to someone else's rehearsal dinner, which was fun, but they didn't know the Lord. I just felt like, man, there's something missing here. Like, they, they, like we need a chance to honor this couple or honor these parents or honor someone. It's just like where there wasn't honor, there wasn't the life of God. Have you ever been in that setting where there is the life of God present and when there's not? I think the distinguishing factor in that is that honor is present when there is and honor is lacking where there's not. Some people say honor is the operating system or the oxygen of the body of Christ, right? So we want to outdo one another in showing honor. You guys with me? Okay. So what does honor mean though? I love, uh, I love the, in the original language uh, in Greek, uh, honor uh, is this word time, time, which if it sounds like Timothy, uh, Timothy actually comes from the word honor. Timothy means to honor God. So time means to honor God. Uh, and, and if you think about, you know, okay, the root word of time uh, is also our most valuable commodity. How do we honor people with our time? Uh, if you think about the word honorarium, that's what you give to honor someone. You show honor through monetary gift. And so this word was actually a monetary value. And so when you are honoring God, or you're honoring your parents, or you're honoring someone else, you are saying that you are valuable. You are worth my time. You are worth my attention. You are someone worth honoring. It's beautiful. When we honor someone, we put value on them. Now, why does this matter for us as the body of Christ? Well, if you look at our world around us, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that honor is not the operating system of the world around us. You can just take 
different examples from different spheres of society. Instead of outdoing one another in honor in the realm of politics, it's outdoing one another in contempt. How can I make this person uh, even less of a credible uh, candidate? And the more that you do that, the more that you uh, gain, uh, gain followers or gain voters. It's the opposite. It's contempt. Or maybe in your business environment, uh, it's a self-centered place. And maybe you have struggle with honoring your bosses or honoring uh, your, uh, your peers or, you know, or in your family. Thanksgiving is coming up. I don't know what your dinner table is like, but sometimes it's hard if the culture is not one of honor, but it's one of division. And so when we, as the body of Christ, we're called to honor one another, we actually stand out. We stand out when we look to honor God and honor one another. In 1 Corinthians 12, 21, it says this about we as the body of Christ, the church. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. The parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while, our, while presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. I love that image of the body of Christ because you know, you have one body, but many members of it. And sometimes uh, the way that you recognize the importance of something is when it's missing or when it's not operating properly. Similarly, in the body, when something is hurting, when you have a broken bone or when you have an ailment, uh, you want that to be fixed. I remember when I had a kidney stone, uh, I thought I was dying uh, and uh, I did not know what was happening. I can't, this was actually when I was still, I was a senior in high school, came home, had this pain in my back, didn't know what it was, uh, just thought I was, you know, just, I needed a, a break from working out. It got worse and worse and worse to the point I thought someone, I thought someone put a knife in my back, went to the ER, went through that whole deal of how much pain are you in? I was like, give me morphine now. That's how much pain I'm in. I'm about to die. Like, it was just like, oh my goodness. And then once I got that kidney stone passed and that kidney was operating properly, I was so thankful for a functioning kidney, right? You think about that, like in the body of Christ, each of you, it says that we are all part of one body, but grace is given to each of us. Did you know that you are valuable and needed in the body of Christ? And that if you are taken out, the whole body suffers and that, that God has made it so that there's no division in the body. And so really what, just in the last part of this sermon, what I want to uh, encourage and catalyze is that when we outdo one another and showing honor, it's a way for all of us to see how God sees us and that we are valuable and needed members of the body of Christ. And it doesn't matter who you are, you need this encouragement. You need this honor. We were in uh, our staff life group this past week and we took time to practice this. And I was like, God, who do you want to honor? And I felt like God put my wife on uh, my heart to honor, which I was like, God, that seems a little selfish, but is that sure? It's like, sure, she needs encouragement too. And so we just did 10 minutes of in the life group. Hey, encourage Amy. 
And it wasn't, uh, people didn't necessarily even pull out the scripture or get like a, a word from God. It was just like, here's who I see that you are. And as they were saying it, it was just so true. Like, yep, that's who she is. She's full of joy. Uh, she is full of wisdom. She's not afraid to go into the hard places with people. She's a faithful friend, all these things. She's a great mom. And as she was receiving these things, I was like, these are like, you know, these are strikes right down the middle. But she was in tears. And she told the whole group afterwards, like, these are the very things I was struggling with that I felt like I was failing in, in parenting or in friendship. And this is just really what I needed. I was just like, what? Like, you were struggling with this? Like, this is incredible. Like, you needed to hear this? We all need to hear encouragement and honor. And so I just want to take some time real quick to honor a few people in the room. Uh, Carrie Highnote, are you here? Carrie, there you are. Carrie. Carrie, uh, I just want to say that you are, I know you don't like me doing this, but I want to outdo one another in showing honor. And when you get built up, the whole body gets built up. And so Carrie, you are valuable, not only to God, but to our church. You're a builder. You build community. You are a connector and you are a vital part of this body. If you weren't here, there would be a, there would be a visible hole and other people would feel it. So I just want to say, Carrie, we honor you in this place. We want to honor Carrie. Can we give her a hand? Also want to honor uh, Evan Curry, uh, who's actually in the kids ministry, but maybe he'll hear this. Evan Curry, Matt Esparza, Brett Heidelberg were three guys that I had on my heart to encourage because uh, they have been faithfully serving in the kids' ministry behind closed doors. Uh, well, that sounds bad. In, uh, you know, in the open. But, but what I mean is behind the scenes, they have been faithfully serving for years. And you might never know it. And they have just been faithfully praying for kids, playing with them, helping them have a great time, and teaching them what God is like. And so I just want to honor Evan, Matt Esparza, and Brett Heidelberg as three guys who have been investing in our kids' ministry. Can we, can we clap for them? So I could keep going, but, you know, we would be here all day just if I could go through each and every person. And so that's why it says we need to outdo one another so that everyone gets encouraged, so that everyone is included, so that the whole body is built up. So I just want to say, I want to give another uh, pause here. We actually have the band come on up, but I want you to take a moment to ask God, who can I encourage today? Who can I build up today? So I'm going to take a moment. We're going to give 30 seconds and it might be someone in this room. It might be someone else. It might be someone that you have no idea who it is. Who is someone that I can encourage today? Lord, would you speak? So my encouragement, if there's someone that came to mind at all, just by faith, step out. Maybe send them a text. Send them, a, send them an encouragement. Say, hey, just felt like... You know, God put you on my heart and I wanted to say I'm thankful for and just tell him, I'm just thankful for you. It means a lot. And this last part, this last part is that we want to be honest and we want to honor one another, but we want to put these things together and practice them together and be ready to be honest and encourage me. Because if you're honoring, but you're not honest with people, that's called flattery. And if we're honest with people, when you say, hey, I just want to be honest with you, a lot of times it's like, brace yourself 
you're going to be hurtful. But if you're honest and you're honoring, this person has value. This person is a part of the body of Christ. This person, you know, is, 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 is of worth to God. It's going to change the way you speak to them. We need to be honest and honoring in the body of Christ and be ready to give encouragement. Amen? So I'm going to have the prayer and prophetic team up here, which they're up here. If you need a, a, a reset today, I'm just saying, I want to be honest with God and have someone to pray over some of these burdens. Or maybe there's a, a place of confession that you need to go to a brother. He says, just like that Bonhoeffer quote, he says, he who is, who is uh, in sin alone is utterly alone and God has not made us to be alone. He's made us to be with him and made us to be with one another. And so they're just going to be up here. But even if it's not something for yourself, maybe it's some, praying for someone else. Maybe it's for praying for breakthrough. Maybe it's for healing in your body. Whatever it is, we want to say, why not? Why not come up for prayer? But whatever it is, we want to encourage you to respond to what God's saying. Respond as we sing this next song. So I want to invite you to stand and I'm going to pray for us. So Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for this, these two verses. Let love be genuine, abhor, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Let love, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. So Lord, I pray, God, that we would live this out. And as we practice the way of Jesus, as we practice loving one another, would you help us to be honest and to honor one another? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.